This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He oh, 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 he's the worst. Hello and welcome to the only podcast for every non-FBS team in the state of Texas. This week, we're going to preview UIW's trip to Abilene Christian. UMHB is hosting another top-rate D3 opponent, and Kilgore visits New Mexico Military Institute in a massive junior college battle. I am Corey Hogue, the non-FBS insider for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find me on X, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, whatever social media channel you choose. Find me there at Corey Hogue Sports, C-O-R-Y-H-O-G-U-E Sports. It is one word. You can find my work at TexasFootball.com. Joining me is Riley Zay. Is quickly becoming one of the foremost experts in Division Three athletics. Find Riley on X Twitter at Zayas Riley, Z-A-Y-A-S-R-I-L-E-Y. In addition, Riley operates truetothecrew.com, which is the source for everything Mary Harden Baylor. Find his work there on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok at True to the Crew. One word, T-R-U-E to the crew. And check out his website, truetothecrew.com. Riley, we were both in San Antonio last week, and uh, boy, did we ever see a great game and just a tremendous atmosphere. Oh, yeah, for sure, Corey. It it was a fantastic environment down there at Trinity University. In fact, you know, it was kind of inconvenient uh, when you show up and you have to park about a half mile away from the stadium, but at the same time as a fan and, and someone who's supported uh, non-FBS football for, for quite a time, uh, it's exciting to see that many people interested in a game of that caliber. Um, you know, again, it, it was competitive uh, for most of the, the way through. And, you know, it's just another reason why, as you said in your piece on, on texasfootball.com earlier this week, you know, why people really need to be paying attention to, to some of this non-FBS football going on here in our great state because it is it is high level there are excellent athletes and you will be entertained as we both were uh, on saturday night covering that one and they appreciate you being there you know you got you you had right. just you had just under two thousand fans they will interact with you they're all you go on the field after the game you get that kind of the high school nature but in a college environment it really does wrap up the best of both worlds it was tremendous and i thought Trinity played a trade played as we thought Trinity would. They were outstanding. I thought Mary Harden Baylor played really well. Uh, the halftime adjustments, they I don't I guess Trinity made a few more or worked a little better. However, you want to say that, but in the third quarter especially, Trinity really started to assert uh, their dominance. I don't know if some of that's because they were on the field for a while and wore down the defensive line of Mary Harden Baylor, but also UMHB's offense, man, we got to take a moment to talk about this. It's not Isaac Fay. Isaac Fay is a good quarterback. Uh, Right now, 
the problem is they're playing really, really good teams, and those really, really good teams have amazing defensive lines, and Mary Harden-Baylor's offensive line is young, so they're, they're a little undersized on that, and because of that youth, they're a few years younger, some of them. I mean, we're talking three, four years for some of these, honestly, yeah, yeah. with COVID, right? And, and so – and they're still learning. It's a new group. Whereas these other guys have worked together uh, for so many years. It, it seems to me like that's, that's what's going on with the UMHB offense. Yeah. And I would agree with that assessment, Corey. I, I think that's a big part of it. I think Isaac Bay looked good, uh, especially when he had time back there. And, you know, you can tell he's going to be a good player for the crew, especially just as this season goes along and he gets more reps. That was something that, uh, head coach Larry Harmon talked about in his press conference on Monday, but you know, you're right about the offensive line. I think again, there's some talented guys there. I don't want to take away from, from that, uh, but they are inexperienced. And and when you play experienced defensive lines, defensive fronts, we saw Trinity's Caleb Harmel cause some serious disruption there from his spot linebacker on Saturday night. I, I think that that can be a real challenge. And I think it, it's a, just a matter of getting more reps in your belt. Uh, to be able to, to kind of break through and, and start to establish some of that experience that's necessary uh, to allow an offense to, to gain traction, both through the pass and the run, and, and staying balanced is something that UMHB really prides itself on. It's We're going to get into more UMHB later. They're, again, one of the games of the week. They're, they're just a gauntlet of a schedule. But I'm curious how Trinity – was very assertive, dominating in some ways, and yet still fell in the D3football.com poll. I I don't know if that's an overreaction to the team that they nearly defeated on the road in week one, St. John's getting just blasted by Whitewater. Uh, but if so, that's not a – transitive properties are not working, and – Trinity should not have dropped in the poll, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you know, the tough thing when it comes to those top 25 polls, and, and I'm not a, a voter in that top 25 poll, but I am for the d3hoops.com women's top 25. And so I, I understand kind of how tough it is when you start to look at results and get more results in. I do think it, it stemmed directly from that St. John's loss for Trinity and then the fact that St. John's then turned around and lost to Whitewater. And also, I think some of it was the fact that Whitewater wasn't ranked as high as they should have been uh, to start this year. And obviously, Whitewater moves up to number four. And so you start to go down the line and some people have to drop. But I think Trinity, as the season goes along, uh, other teams start to lose some games. Trinity continues to assert its dominance. I think we're going to see Trinity uh, definitely move back to that spot where, where they should have been there at number five. Um, it's a tough thing for, for those voters to try to, you know, uh, you know, use those results to make predictions and, and assessments just two games into the season. Oh, of course it is. And I'm not a voter on any top 25 poll because I would just automatically rank all the Texas teams at the top because that's all I really know about. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a tough job for sure. But I yeah. agree with you. That was one of the first things I saw. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that because we were talking about it after the game with uh, Pat Coleman and uh, Frank Rossi, Pat Coleman of D3Football.com and Frank Rossi of In the D in the Huddle, I believe, D3 In the Huddle. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes. And, and we were talking about and didn't think that they would 
that they would drop. We thought that Whitewater would maybe go above them. Uh, and I was surprised to see that it was Harden Simmons who was placed ahead of them as well. Uh, I was as well. And I think, again, that's something that we're going to see as the season goes along. Uh, Trinity's got some good opponents still left on the schedule. Obviously, Harden Simmons gets that win over EW Lacrosse, but we're also going to have to see how Harden Simmons uh, plays Endicott. That's going to be something to where if, if Harden Simmons was to lose that game to Endicott, I think Trinity slides right back up. And it's a tough thing for Trinity, right? You don't want to have to be trying to, you know, base it off of other teams. But I, I also think Jeremy Urban and, and his coaching staff and team, they, they know what they have. And I think they're more concerned with, with where they finish at the end of the year than where they are entering week three. The greatest thing about it is it does not matter at this level because there is a playoff system and all that matters is getting in the playoffs and everybody then has an equal shot. So that's where we're looking at, man. That's the whole, that's what I love about the non-FBS football. We're deciding everything on the field. You are absolutely right about that. That's a great part of it. And again, we we continue to see these these races uh, heat up over the course of the year. And and as we get more results and more of these uh, nationally ranked teams play against each other, it it makes for a really exciting uh, next couple of months as as things start to get sorted out on that front. Um, now we move on to a, a very loaded week three slate. Before we do that, we want to remind you that we are a podcast on the Republic of Football Network and an extension of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Please like, share, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Megaphone, any platform of your choice. We are all over the place. Liking, sharing, following, that's how you help us grow the game of the week this week, Riley, is in Abilene, Texas. And my goodness, it's a tough job when you got to travel and, and see all of these fantastic games. <laughs> UIW, number nine, coming in to face Abilene Christian. This is a big game on many, many fronts. Both teams, first off, have a common opponent. They both play Northern right. Colorado. They both pretty much easily handled northern colorado uh, abilene christian took care of prairie view uiw gave utep a test uh, out there i uh, may, may not be a good utep team but they still have 22 more scholarships than uiw has i this one has a lot of playoff implications uh, the winner will have that's going to look good the winner of this game mm -hmm. is going to look good when it comes to try if you don't win the outright if you don't win your conference title trying to get the at-large bid I love that this game is scheduled. I love that they're playing this non-conference game. It's it's big. It, it's the biggest game in Abilene non-conference since they transitioned to FCS in, I believe it was 2012, Riley. Yeah, it's a huge one for sure. And I, I don't think I could have put it any better uh, myself, you know, because this is a, a one of those matchups that you just have to see. And I think it's going to be one circle on a lot of people's calendars uh, when it comes down to kickoff and, and to see how both these teams fare against each other. You know, it's interesting this early in the season to see two teams that have a common opponent, as as you mentioned. And I think, you know, you can only take away so much from, from those games uh, that they play. But, you know, one thing I think is really interesting to me is, is there's a little bit of varying styles here in the fact that, you know, Abilene Christian is a very pass-heavy team. It, you know, the Prairie View game, I think, highlighted that they they – you know, obviously win by a good amount, but most of it comes uh, through the pass. 
that's going to be interesting against you know, UIW's uh, defense and their secondary specifically, uh, which has been really, really good up to this point. It is. You look all over. There is talent. There are battles. This is going to be an FBS-level game in Abilene Saturday. It starts at 7 p.m. at uh, Anthony Field at Wildcat Stadium. It is a must-watch if you're in that area. And one of the reasons it's a must-watch is the quarterback battle is just fantastic. We'll start with the home guy. Maverick McIver, Texas Tech transfer, came over to Abilene Christian, has not... He's had some injury issues dating all the way back to high school. Uh, when I spoke with Coach uh, Keith Patterson of ACU earlier this week, he talked about how this is the first time in Maverick's college career that he's gone through spring, summer, and fall camp because he he wasn't injured this time. It, it, every other year, yeah. he's yeah. either been injured or he, or he transferred late and. and what that means and what that's done. And let's listen to coach Patterson in his words on what Maverick has brought to them this year, man. He just has a command of uh, getting us in the right protections, understanding what coverages he's getting and how that is going to affect his, his read progression and things like that. So, man, he just seems so much more confident than what he was even a year ago. And, because he didn't go through spring ball here last year. He showed up in the summertime. So, and along with a lot of our receivers showed up. So that's what has really gotten me excited. I don't think we've even touched the tip of the iceberg of the team that we can become. You know, Riley, you look at Maverick. Uh, he has over, he has 500 yards passing. He's complete hitting 65% of his passes. He really does look comfortable this year. He really does. And I think that was especially highlighted in, in that week to win over Prairie View. I mean, 12 of 18, 314 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He looked very, very comfortable. And I think that's a big part of, of when you get a quarterback in there, especially in a uh, system where they're a transfer, you, you want to see that comfort early. And, and it definitely seems like he's fitting well uh, with this offensive attack. You know, he's an experienced guy, and, and that plays a big role in matchups like this one uh, where you, you go into it and there's a lot of hype and a lot of noise uh, around the program. Everyone knows the implications that, you know, a win would have uh, for this program. And so I think you need a guy back there that's calm, that's poised, that's confident, and ultimately uh, has demonstrated having a skill set that could really lead uh, ACU to a big victory on Saturday night. Yes, and I also love how he mentioned he does not think they have even tapped the potential of this yeah. offense yet. Yeah, yeah, that's that a, says a lot. That's scary. That's scary right now, man, because they're really good. But then you look at the other side, a quarterback who is well-known across college, Zach Calzada started his career at Texas A&M, transferred to Auburn, did not play. Again, it's an injury situation with him. Now he's transferred to UIW. And we mentioned McIver's numbers at 65%, 500 yards. Zach Calzada, 65% completion of 500 yards. That's that's part of what sets this matchup to be so good. And what Coach Killo here, I talked with him also earlier this week, what he has to say about 
Calzada and what he's done and how he's commanded the offense. I thought it was it's really worth uh, listening to. So we're going to take a minute right here and uh, listen to what Coach Killo said. I thought he's had a, I thought he's performed really well the, per, the first couple of weeks. Obviously, in the first week, um, we only had three drives in the second half. They had a really long drive out of halftime. I think it was about nine and a half minutes long. Um, you know, and then the, la- the the interception at the end, he was kind of just kind of forced something with about two minutes and thirty seconds left, down two touchdowns. Got to put something in the end zone. Uh, but other than that, I mean, he's been he's been performing at a really high level, um, and he's starting to mesh and find his rhythm with some of these wideouts. I thought we've been tremendous, um, and this is obviously an attribute um, to the sixty five percent completion percentages. Our offensive line has pass protected really, really well these first two weeks. Um, I get some good pass rushers, um, so I've, I've I've been really pleased with that. Okay, Riley. He talked about how Calzada has just a command uh, for the offense, how they're really starting to develop. He's got a whole new group of receivers. Similar to what we said with Abilene Christian, it, it seems like this offense's potential has not even begun to be tapped either. Oh, and, and that's, again, as you said with ACU, I mean, that's a scary thing, right? Because we're we're so early in the season. There's, there's a lot of time for that chemistry to continue to develop um, and, and for, you know, experience continue to be had uh, amongst some of these newcomers uh, that have come in and, and really played a big part in, in this program. They're at Incarnate Ward. Uh, you know, one of the things with, with Zach Calzada, as I said, with, with Maverick McIver, I mean, you, you have a guy who is very experienced. He went up against SEC defenses. He knows how to, uh, commands, you know, uh, an offense. And I think we've seen that in the last two games, you know, he completed 29 passes, um, you know, against Northern Colorado, which, you know, he, he just, he's so calm back there. Uh, but again, it helps when you have a, a, a decent receiving core, right. And, yeah. and UIW definitely has that, um, you know, he, w- when you see a quarterback that can rely on his receivers that trust them downfield and, and trust him enough to take some of those deep shots. I think that makes, for a very scary offense because, you know, especially as you get late into games, you need a a group of guys like that who are on the same page, know what's playing out and know how to make the big play. Ultimately, you know, maybe get that first down on a key third down to keep a drive going. All those little things that come with an experienced uh, quarterback like Zach Calzada really play a big role in a matchup like this one where the margin for error is not going to be all that large. There's one other thing. I think that's very important about Calzada that we should note. He beat Alabama. He led Texas A&M and and beat Alabama. That's a Nick Saban defense. And one of the things Killo mentioned to me when I was interviewing him was that Patterson and his defensive scheme at Abilene Christian and Skylar Cassidy, the defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. outstanding Dave Campbell's 40 under 40. Just got to plug some things sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know, you have – he said you're going to get a lot of mixed coverages, a lot of mixed looks, a lot of disguises and schematics. Having a guy that has seen a lot of those, that's going to help on uh, on Saturday. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it plays a big role, I think, when, when you're able to have a guy back there – that, that can recognize that stuff before the ball is even snapped, right? And, and we certainly know uh, Zach Calzada has the ability to do that. Um, again, it comes down to those little things. And, and, you know, you hear coaches say all the time, uh, it might even be, you know, an overused saying, but but when you look at the, you know, it's those little details that really make uh, for the big victories. And, and it's going to come down to those, I think, on Saturday because we, we're looking at this and the, there's experienced guys on both sides, some really high-quality, high-octane 
offenses. Um, it's going to be an exciting one, but, but when you have a guy like Zach Calzada there for UIW, it definitely has to give uh, the Cardinals a little bit of a, a confidence booster, right, when they head on the road and, you know, they have a guy that's experienced and, and knows how to go about uh, being in some of these situations. And they've played on the road the first two weeks. They have yet to have a home game. So they're road warriors. <laughs> yeah. They're figuring yeah. it out. Uh you know, it's going to be a great one. I'm looking forward to that. And if you're in Abilene and you're listening to this on Saturday night, uh, let me know you're there. I'd love to to say hi to you. We're going to move into the next game here, Riley. Number four, Wisconsin Whitewater. Number, is that right? 19? Mary Hart right. Baylor? Uh, right. Wow. That game, it's a big one. It's at noon on Saturday at Crusader Stadium. They're at home. It's their home opener. This is a big, big game. How important is it, Riley, for UMHB to avoid their first ever 0-3 start in program history? Yeah, I think it's extremely important. And, and at the same time, I think, you know, really should be noted that at this point, UMHB has to win their conference to get into the playoffs. And so, you know, a win here would be uh, more of a momentum thing than anything, right? I, I think it, you obviously always you want to win every game that you can um, from a strategic standpoint and setting up for the postseason. You know, this this may help UMHB in terms of a rankings standpoint when it gets to the regional rankings and those kinds of things. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of pride on the line. And I think that's that's what needs to be noted. Uh, UMHB is very, very good at Crusader Stadium. In fact, you know, they haven't lost in the regular season at Crusader Stadium, you know, ever since since it was opened in 2013. Um, you know, and, and that that's a, a crazy stat there, but it's certainly one that makes sense when you look at their records over the last several years. Whitewater was the last team uh, to give them a loss at Crusader Stadium in the 2019 uh, NCAA quarterfinals. So there's a lot of, of history between these two programs. And, and in addition to that, it's UMHB's home opener. So I think for the hosts, for the Crusaders, there's a lot of pride on the line. And, and I think that's going to be a big driving force, especially after this 0-2 start. They know they played tough competition. Uh, you know, they they showed improvement against Trinity in week two, but that improvement needs to continue here into week three against perhaps the best opponent they'll play on their non-conference schedule, which is pretty crazy to say with, with the first two opponents that they faced. Don't know that they're better than Trinity. I'm not convinced. We will, I will know a little more Saturday after they play uh, Mary Harden Baylor. But I, I think look, Wisconsin Whitewater's right up there in that same category and conversation with Trinity. No doubt. They are a really good team, but Mary Harden Baylor, they need positivity they desperately need a win. They need something good to happen. They, yes, they have to win their conference. They've got to focus on that. And look, that's not going to be easy this year either. There's a couple of teams coming up at, in the conference that are going to provide a challenge for them. And, and so I think a win this week would give them some of that, that confidence, maybe that air of – yeah, we're still good as they head into uh, the conference schedule. I think it, it's really, really a big game for Larry Harmon and for the crew this week. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And again, you know, when you're playing your first game at home, it feels a little different than playing on the road as they have the last two weeks because there you're playing in front of your home crowd, right? And there's a little bit of an added pressure that probably comes with that. 
uh, you know, again, as you said, too, with, with conference play starting next week, this is a pivotal point for them to really turn a corner and say, you know what, we're not we're not out of this yet. And, and don't count us out. Obviously, they've dropped from a number three preseason ranking uh, to number 19. But, you know, as we said earlier on this podcast, you know, the ranking in week three isn't what's going to determine whether you make the playoffs or not. But at the same time, I think you, it, it definitely is a motivation factor to say, you know what, we're not going to sit here. Uh, for much longer at, at this number 19 ranking. And um, obviously Wisconsin Whitewater is a good opponent, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't think the margin between these two is as wide as a lot of people are projecting it will be. I think this might be a closer game uh, than we than we maybe foresee at this point. I think you're right, but we're going to get to that in the picks. In the meantime, we have another highlight game this week. Kilgore at New Mexico Military Institute Two top 10 NJCAA teams, two of the top teams in the Southwestern Junior College Football Conference, two teams with real national championship aspirations. Willie Gooden's Rangers have been really solid this year. Nimi, uh, they, they, Look, they did well against Navarro last week. I think that was maybe a little more of a, uh, of a spread than I expected. So they're ready. They're at home, too. They're in the Wool Bowl out, out there in Roswell, New Mexico, of all places. Kilgore's on the road. It's a long drive to get from Kilgore out there to Roswell. It's really an intriguing matchup. And, man, you talk about high-level football, you're going to watch a lot of people in that game that are going to be playing at Power 5 schools next year. Yes, you certainly will be. And, and – that's the thing with junior college football. Like you, you're going to be seeing uh, the next generation of a lot of these these Power Five guys that will be at these you know some some really well known programs um, in the coming years. You know, Kilgore heads in this matchup, and I think they do have a lot of momentum. Uh, they're a good program. We've seen that. Um, I really like what I've seen from you know Cameron Peters at quarterback. He's a sophomore. He's been around a little bit. Uh, you know, he's he's been productive. Uh, Twenty one of of thirty four passing uh when he's throwing the ball he's 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 comfortable in the pocket and you can tell that uh he's agile and he, he you know he he makes his plays um i think you know it'll be interesting to see that matchup between the kilgore offense and the new mexico uh military institute defense you know nimi is is obviously a well-known program as you I have talked about uh the last couple of weeks and you know being at home for, for nimi that has to give them a little bit of advantage it is a uh it is a drive out there uh, to New Mexico for Kilgore, and I think that uh, honestly could be a little bit of a factor in the outcome of this one, though maybe not a very large one. We will find out on Saturday, and soon we will make our pick in that game. And speaking of picks, Riley, we, you know, the first week wasn't our best. We We didn't. We didn't have a great week, but last week, both of us again, we still tied. We're still we, we did. both we, went, did. we both went seven and two. We are twelve and six overall on the year, which by the way looks a whole lot better than it looked last week. And, and seven and two, I think, for both of us is more of what we expect from ourselves when it comes to picking these games. <laughs> yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. It definitely is. Yes. Yeah, so we're gonna get right into them here. First game, big game, game of the week, UIW, Abilene Christian. We've talked a lot about it, Riley. Uh, who you want? I'll, I'll give you the option this week. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second to start? 
let, let me go a second. Let me see who you're picking, but I, I don't, I already have my picks kind of in the back of my head. So uh, let's see. We'll, we'll see how many we, we tie on, on, on picking the same team this week. Okay, here we go. Abilene Christian, offensive line. You want to know where that game's going to be won? It's at the line of scrimmage, especially the ACU defensive line against that offensive line of UIW. I think UIW has protected Zach Calzada very well. Coach Killo touched on that in what we talked about. I think that with – there's a pedigree that comes in these games. I think it's going to be close – Abilene Christian has not been able to pull out one of these big games yet. They had the WAC championship game last year at home. They've had a couple others during the, the uh, tenure of the previous coach, Adam Durrell. They've not been able to pull these out. I don't see it happening this time. I've got UIW, and I've got it by four points. Yeah, that will be an interesting one for sure. I, I actually am going to go UIW as well. Um, I think it's going to be high scoring. I really do. I think the offenses are going to take center stage in this one. I, I think it's going to come down to who can who can make more plays in that second half. Um, additionally, you know, I, I think whoever makes more stops, especially in the third quarter, as teams come out of halftime, start to make their adjustments offensively, uh, whoever can get more stops defensively in that third quarter, I think he's going to have a very good chance to win this game. I like UIW's defense. Um Abilene Christian's offense is, is very sharp, but but let me take UAW in this one to pull out a, a close one and a high-scoring one in Abilene. Okay, you're up first on this next one, Wisconsin Whitewater at Mary Harden Baylor. This, <laughs> this is a tough one, Corey, and, and, and I think partially because you see what's on paper, but at the same time, you know, I saw such an improvement between uh, UMHB week one and UMHB week two. And a lot of it came from just cleaning up some of the mistakes. And there are certainly uh, miscues that need to be improved heading into week three. As I talked about a couple of minutes ago, I think playing at home and I think that the tradition and the atmosphere of this game, Mary Harm Baylor is the underdog. I don't think it's going to be a very large margin. I'm going to take UMHB to pull out a, you know, what we might call an upset here in this one, um, using that home field to their advantage. I think Isaac Fay is going to have a, a very solid game. As long as the offensive line can give him a little bit more protection, they can clean up some of those special teams. Uh, Miss Hughes, I think UMHB wins this one by a field goal. UMHB is still the favorite, in my opinion, to win the American Southwest Conference. However, Riley, their struggle is on their offensive line. And the last time that they were defeated at home was in 2019 in the national quarterfinals. You and I were both there. They were dominated on the line of scrimmage. It was a problem against Trinity. It's going to be a problem this week. I'm going with Wisconsin Whitewater, and I'm taking a touchdown with me on it. All right. I like it. Opposite opposite picks there. We'll see. Yes. Now we get into this one, man. Talk about a hard one to pick. Kilgore at Nimi. Kil- we've talked. Both of them are off to good starts. I think the difference in this one comes down to the Wool Bowl. It is hard to go into Nimi. It's hard to get a win. Uh I, look, Willie Gooden, if anyone could do it, I think it's this Kilgore team. A loss is not going to knock them out of the national title pitcher for either team in this game. So, you know what? I'm taking the home team here. I, I'm going to go Nimi. 
You know what? I'm going to take Nimi as well. Um, I think that the, in this matchup, again, it's going to be a tight one. Uh, you you never fail to uh, do a good job of, of picking close games for us to pick here uh, in this one. And I think, you know, Nimi definitely has a little bit of an edge, in my opinion. Um, some of the pieces they bring to the table, I think Kilgore is going to give them a run for sure. This seems to be uh, a game where I think it's going to be decided by between, you know, four to four to 10 points, maybe somewhere in there. Uh, but I think Nimi pulls it out and uses a, a late second half surge uh, to propel them to their third victory of the season. We have six more games to pick. And I've, I've said before, I do not have a set number of games, but so far in the first three weeks, it's been nine games each time. I, I don't want to come up with a bit like the nasty nine, but it, it could happen. It could happen, <laughs> Riley. It, it could we, the next game on the list, we got six more here. This is going to be a little more rapid fire, but I think uh, if you're listening, you're gonna you're gonna hear a little bit of a breakdown into these. It starts with Riley, Stephen F. Austin at Northwestern State. Man, this is this used to be known as the battle for Chief Caddo. I know Chief Caddo supposedly supposedly was put out to pasture not technically <laughs> but they're not going to have a seven foot indian statue being wheeled out of the stadium or carried out of the stadium this year which was always one of my favorite parts of, of watching that it's a it's a rivalry it's a true rivalry lumberjacks and the demons who do you got yeah, I think this is going to be a, a very, very competitive matchup here. You know, the thing for, for me, uh, I'm going to take Steve F. Austin. Um, I think, you know, SFA seemed to turn the corner, uh, especially after that opening season loss to Troy. Um, they lost by 18. That game came back, looked good against Alcorn State last week. I, I think they're going to use some of that momentum uh, and, and get the victory in a very uh, close competitive ball game against Northwestern, against Northwestern State uh, on Saturday. I think SFA looked good against Troy. That was that's a look what they Troy did. did to Texas Southern. What was it? Yeah. To three? yeah. SFA, yeah. I'm telling you right now, there are two teams in Texas and FCS that are undervalued. One of them's Abilene Christian, the other one's Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin, I know it's a rivalry. Nakatich, whatever. Look, the lumberjacks, man. They're they're doing it. They're, they're chopping the wood. They're going to bring home the W. And I really, I'm going to say it's it's probably closer to 17 to 21 points. I yeah, just think, yeah. I think SFA is that good this year. I really do. I I would totally agree with that. I think they, you know, I think they're definitely on the right path. And um, they definitely, as I said, have a, have a little bit of a, a momentum to them as they head into this week three battle. We have a couple of D2 games this week. Angelo State coming off a loss, a tough loss. They gave up. Uh, they had a lead at halftime. They, you know, and then Mines came out and did their thing in the second half and took the W. But Angelo State is still Angelo State. They're going to recover. They travel, though, to Central Washington. This could be the game to decide the Lone Star Conference title. Does not guarantee a playoff berth, but it will have a lot of say in that part as well, Jeff Gersh, if there's a guy who can rally the troops, it's him. Keep him focused. I think that loss at home 
will allow that focus as they head up to on a long road trip to central Washington. It's never easy, Riley, when you're flying, you know, whatever economy is, that's what these guys are (laughs) flying, right? They're flying economy up to central Washington last year. There was some bag exchange problems for some of the teams. Crazy things happen when you're flying out there. I still think the Rams are able to hold tight, and I think they take down a a good Central Washington team. Yeah, Angelo State is my pick as well. This is a long trip, as you said, and it can be a little bit of a challenge uh, when when you know you that that travel fatigue starts to hit. But at the end of the day, I I think some of the most dangerous teams are the teams that lose games uh, that they know they they very easily could have won. Right, and we saw that a little bit with Trinity. Uh, last week, I think we've seen this over the years with some of these teams um, that are at the top, and, and Angelo State is certainly one of them. They they did not want to lose that game to Colorado School of Mines, um, you know, last week, and I think it's going to be a, a big source of some motivation as they head into this battle. They know what's on the line. They know how big this is in the Lone Star uh, Conference title race, and and I think that's going to decide a lot for them. Um, but yeah, give me Angelo State in this one. Okay, another big one. Midwestern State at WT, the Highway 287 rivalry. It is, it's going to be a battle, man. Who you got in this one, right? It will be a battle. I, I think that West Texas A&M is going to pull it out. Um, and, and part of that is just, you know, what we saw from them against Adams State, uh, you know, there in week two last weekend. Uh, really, I think, said a lot about this program. To me, there were some question marks on, you know, who, who would really step up for them. They, they lost some talent uh, to graduation, you know, the, last year. And, and so I think uh, they're starting to have their pieces come to, to form. And I think we're starting to see, uh, you know, what this team is made of at, at West Texas A&M. And um, they're going to use that week two victory to, to say, all right, we, we can do this. We can take down Midwestern State and give ourselves a nice uh, – Two and one start to the 2023 season. If I told you they have a true freshman starting at quarterback that started last week and, and is likely to start this week, would that change your opinion? It would not. Yeah, I think they, you know, I, I definitely saw that. And it's one of those things where uh, when you have some some experience, right, it, it can help you. But at the same time, I think some of these guys, they're young, uh, but yet have have great coaching. Uh, it can definitely, definitely, you know, be a role that, is tough to take over in terms of starting quarterback role. Uh, but he definitely seems to, to have handled it well. And and I, I like West Texas A&M in this one, especially defensively. You know, I like that you're sticking to your guns that that's you, you made your choice <laughs> and you said, I'm not changing it. Look, MSU last week, big win. They needed that win. It was a bit, it, it shows me where they are. They're right about where I thought they were right about middle of the Lone Star conference. That's also where West Texas A&M is. Both these teams are right right about where I thought they would be coming into this one. Mustangs were able to get their ground game going last week. That's big for them. But West Texas' strength is defense. They have a tremendous defense this year. And one other thing, the Mustangs have not won inside Bain Schaefer stadium buffalo stadium they've not won there they haven't won in canyon in a long time and they don't win now i take wt on this one i just think that the environment the road everything there's a lot you know i i think that wt shuts it down i i think the middle linebacker jt cavender i think he plays a big role 
and I'm giving the advantage this week to the Buffs, but it's close. It's going to be, it's going to be close. I'm, I'm calling, I think I put four points, uh, but I could, I wouldn't be surprised to see that even go down a couple more than that. Yeah, it could totally go one way or the other. This is a, a 50-50 matchup for sure. Um, you know, it's it's a tough one to predict, but I do like West Texas in this one. We we both are on the same teams this week, which is which is interesting. <laughs> We've only got one difference so far. Maybe, maybe this is another one. You want a game that's hard to predict, Southwestern at Hendricks this week as we go into Division Three, the Pirates lot of turnovers hurt themselves a lot last week they got drubbed by texas lutheran in a rivalry game that hurt the pride hendrix has been struggling the last couple of years you know riley i'm going pirates man i think joe austin i i know he didn't like that i know that game bothered him and i think this week in practice is going to be a focus that they haven't had yet and i give the pirates the advantage i definitely think you can use that that logic that i kind of talked about uh a few minutes ago with with a team you know losing a game that that they felt like you know they they very easily could have won and you can kind of uh kind of use that here with southwestern because there were some points in that game last week where it felt like had things gone a different direction, they may have, have hung a little tighter in that one. With that said, I thought Hendricks looked really, really good against East Texas Baptist. I think ETBU is going to be tough to figure out. They're trying to build some things back. Uh, they probably aren't where they were a couple of years ago, uh, but they're still a good program with a lot of talent. And, and really, that was Hendricks' game to lose. They did lose it uh, by a point. I think that's going to fuel them as they head to this one. They're hosting Southwestern. They'll be on their home turf. Um, I'm going to take Hendricks in a, in a pretty close matchup, but I think Hendricks wins the SAA opener. It, it is a real – that's a real coin toss. That really is. That, that it game is. is just that way. Uh, another game that – this isn't even teams at the same level. It, it came on here because I'm not sure what Ave Maria has in Florida. I know they're an NAI team. They're supposed to be pretty good. They do have scholarships traveling to face Texas Lutheran. Uh, Riley, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is one of those matchups that you don't see uh, very often because uh, a team in Division Three, because there are no Division Three teams, in the state of Florida, you don't see these matchups very often. Uh, but what I will say is that I think, you know, TLU has looked better to me than I expected they would this season. And, and I think that's something that you got to consider in, in a matchup like this, because when teams start out really solid, I think the only place they usually can go is up in the case of, of a team like Texas Lutheran that has so much return talent, right? It's, it's a, you know, when you have a lot of experience on the roster, it, it tends to help you more than it hurts you. And uh, TLU is showing us that this season. Um, I think it's going to be a close one for them. I think uh, the familiarity between these two opponents is certainly not there. Uh, but I think TLU finds a way to, to pull out this win at home. Um, Ave Maria, you know, took a week one loss. Uh, they haven't played since then. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens as, as Ave Maria comes off the bye week. But give me TLU for the win. Look, Ave Maria had had two weeks to prepare, but that's a long trip. And Texas Lutheran, like you said earlier, they have looked better than I thought they would this year. I'm going TLU as well. That brings us to our last game of the week. 
It is a big one, another big one down in the JUCO ranks. Two more ranked teams in the poll in the top 15 because they only rank 15 in JUCO. Tyler at Trinity Valley. This matchup is going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal all around. It's going to be physical. And the Cardinals, I think they're just a little bit better. And they're at home. I'm taking Trinity Valley. Same here, Corey. Uh, I, you know, for, for me, I think Trinity Valley, they started off, uh, you know, 2-0. and They they look good in their last two games. Uh, it's going to be a close one, as you said. I, I think uh, both teams bring a lot to the table uh, to make this an entertaining matchup. But but at the end of the day, um, I think Trinity Valley finds a way to win this one, um, stays undefeated in, in what should be a very big season for them. We talked about it in the season preview podcast. Uh, they have a lot uh, of pieces this year that really could lead them to a, a deep run. And I think this is a team that you're going to want to be paying attention to not only this week, but as the weeks continue to unfold uh, in the JUCO ranks. A lot less disagreement this week, Riley. <laughs> there a is. lot less. So we both have UIW, NIMI over Kilgore. We have SFA over Northwestern State, Angelo over Central Washington, WT taking care of MSU at home. PLU beating NAI Ave Maria and Trinity Valley over Tyler. But the ones to watch where we differ this week, UW Whitewater and UMHB. I've got Whitewater. Riley's got the crew. And the other one that we have is Southwestern. I've got the Pirates. And Riley is taking the Warriors at home. It's it's interesting to me on this that I am going with both road teams and you're going both home teams. I, that. Home teams that that is a good uh, good formula usually. Yeah, it is, and you know to to that point, I, I don't know how much home field advantage helps you all that much, but I think in some situations, as I talked about uh, with with a team like UMHB, I think it can be beneficial. And I just want to note too, you and I don't uh, you know determine these picks uh, before we start recording, so this is all live. Just uh, you know, we're 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 picking these games as we go down the list, and so I think it'll be interesting, but. It's funny how many of these uh, we we picked the same team on. Well, and, and it's if you've li- if you've listened to this, it's the third straight week you've heard. We don't, we don't. I put the games up there, and then you know we don't talk about them, and then we come on here and we give a pick. It's it is interesting. It is also interesting. I think this is a sign that we're starting to figure out more as the season goes on. That uh, there may be a lot less difference with us as the season progresses, because we are finding out more about these teams. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, another factor too, that, that comes into play as you start to start to see what teams are made of and see if your preseason uh, projections were, were indeed correct or not. Well, mine are usually not Riley. <laughs> I get told about that. Neither so. am I. <laughs> hey, be safe this weekend, man. We follow Riley, Riley Zayas. Follow True to the Crew. That's where you're going to find him Saturday during the game. True to the Crew on social media. He will have the updates and provide uh, analysis from UMHB Whitewater. I will be out in Abilene this week. If you want to know what's going on between the Cardinals and the Wildcats, give me a follow, Corey Hogue Sports. Riley, thank you so much, man. It was another great week, and and we got another good week of, of football ahead for both of us. We're we're double covering the state this week. We are, we are. No, I can't wait. A, a lot of exciting games to to follow and watch, and 
I'll see how everything unfolds here across the state of Texas. We'll return next week with another episode where we're going to preview week four games and have a little discussion about what's been going on around the non-FBS landscape. For Riley Zayas, I'm Corey Hogue. Thank you so much for joining us. And until we meet again, stay safe.